If you're a guest with us this morning, uh, and if you just need a reminder, we've been walking through the book of Mark. We've been in it for a little while, and uh, we're looking at verse by verse, just walking through the life and ministry of Jesus and just seeing his life and the life that he calls us to live. This week, this Sunday, is known as what? Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. And so for us, we looked at that week, uh, that, that day in Jesus' life, um, weeks back when we looked at chapter 11. Uh, but chapter 11 and chapter 12, we saw Jesus in 11 enter Jerusalem, right? That the people gathered around him and celebrated Jesus as king and they rejoiced him as he entered that city. And then the next day as we walk through that, this has been really the last week of Jesus' life. We've been looking at it for a while now. But the next day, Jesus, um, he went into that temple, uh, huge temple. And he saw people in there were doing things that they should not be doing. They had forgot what the temple was, a place that was, that was used to... Um, to, to be God's presence, a place to worship and, and honor God and to pray to him and point other people to the one true God and be in the presence of God. And they had missed that. They were misusing it. They were taking advantage of people and using it as a, as a den of robbers. And then after that, the religious leaders come one after another to Jesus and they're questioning him and they're trying to trip him up to get him in trouble, either one, so that the people that had been following Jesus would no longer follow Jesus, or two, so they could get him arrested and all of those attempts failed. Uh, we know eventually that Jesus will be arrested, but in his timing. Amen, church? Man, God is in charge of his timing. And so Jesus in chapter 12 closes out his time in that temple just by teaching. Then two weeks ago, uh, we looked at the first half of Mark chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn there. Mark chapter 13, there's one in the row for you. Uh, if you if you don't have one in your row, take your neighbors, make them go. F- I'm just kidding, don't do that. But uh, but it'll be up on the screen as well. But two weeks ago, we saw Jesus leave that temple for the last time, and he and his disciples they they leave, they head across a valley up to a place called the Mount of Olives, and Jesus begins to teach and prepare them for what is to come. Jesus told them that this great and beautiful temple that they had just been in, that they had just left, would be torn apart. He actually says, you won't even have one stone standing on top of another. And history shows that Jesus was right. Forty years after Jesus said that, the the Romans came in and they destroyed Jerusalem and they destroyed that temple. And then we also spent a lot of time dissecting the first part of chapter 13. and, And Jesus was telling them about future events. By the way, if you missed that, if you weren't able to be here, maybe you were in kids' life or something, um, you can jump on. We've got a podcast that has the sermons on there. You can jump on our website and listen to the sermons on there to, to help you get caught up. I'll try to recap as best as possible. But Jesus describes to them what our world will look like leading up to the end. He describes to them what, what's, what's it going to look like as we head up to the great tribulation and what it's going to look like before Christ returns. And he says, he starts to describe for them the last days. And things that we're actually seeing today. He says, be aware, look for these signs. There's going to be growing deception, right? Misleading people religiously. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be natural disasters. There's going to be human suffering. There's going to be persecution and growing persecution against God's people. Jesus is telling them, they're asking him a question. When's the end coming, right? When's, the, when's this coming? When is your kingdom going to be here, God? And Jesus tells them that all of these things will occur and become more common as the end draws near. We see it all around us, don't we? All of those things. We already, we already see it all around us. People constantly claiming to be Christ or offering a false religion. Uh, in fact, last week, um, a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, a man made headlines. Um, not, I'm just not even going to give the guy's name, but he claimed to be Jesus Christ. 
right? And it made national headlines. He claimed to be Jesus. We see wars and rumors of wars. That's normal for us. We wake up and it's all around us. Almost everyday thing for us in this world, human suffering, natural disasters are growing and becoming more common. And throughout the book of Acts, right away after Jesus ascends, he ascends in Acts chapter 1, right? Right away, persecution of Christians. And we see it even more so today. Two weeks ago, we shared a site with you guys and just information about just these top countries that it's really unsafe for followers of Jesus to be in. But it's crazy because those places where the persecution happens most more people are coming to know Christ. Isn't that crazy? We have the religious freedom to share Jesus with someone without fear of going to prison, but other people that are being persecuted, they don't have that freedom. And Jesus is, are you with me, church? Man, the, the, the church is growing. So when we look at what Jesus says about this world, what it will be like at the end, as, it, as the end draws near before he returns, we look at our world today, church, here's the reality. He could come back at any moment. That's the reality. He could come back at any moment. Many have tried to guess and claim that they know when the world's going to end, right? Guess what? We're still here, right? We've passed a lot of those times. Many have tried to claim they know when Jesus is going to return. Here's the reality, church. We don't know the time, right? It's not our job to know the time. That's not our focus. We'll look at that today, but the Bible says that no man knows the hour. The angels, Jesus doesn't even know. And there's always that tension, right? What do you mean Jesus doesn't know? Jesus is God, which is absolutely true. But Jesus also set aside some of his privileges to come and be human. Are you with me, church, to come and be with us? Man, he set that aside, the knowledge of knowing when God will return. But we do know that Jesus is coming back. That's the point. That's the focus. So when we look back at chapter 13. I'm going to recap a little bit more for you. Chapter 13 and verses 14 through 18. Jesus tells them about the temple and Jerusalem being destroyed and how bad that's going to be. He even says this in verse 14. He said, but when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be. He's doing a few things there. He's pointing back to Daniel. There was a prophecy given back in Daniel about that temple being destroyed. And guess what? That temple was destroyed. And there was someone standing in the, in the temple that should not be. And then he uses that language here to point to this great temple saying, hey, this temple that we just walked out of, it's going to be destroyed. And then you're going to have someone there that should not be. Are you with me, church? That happened, right? A general came in and and took took that place in the temple where he should not be. We didn't talk about this last time, but just for time purposes, but, but I will say this, that we don't, we don't have a, a definite uh, understanding of this, but Jesus is also probably giving a warning to another abomination of desolation standing where it should not be. We see in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse, verse 4, uh, the focus of what he's saying here is in, in, in Mark, we, he is talking about the temple in Jerusalem being destroyed, but we also see some correlation between that and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We read of the man of lawlessness. The man of lawlessness is believed to be the Antichrist. Man, it's not some made-up stuff, church, man. It's not something for horror movies. It's real. Right. And so during that time of tribulation that we talked about last week or two weeks ago, we read this talking about the Antichrist who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God. Right. The temple is going to be rebuilt in the last days, displaying himself as being God. Somebody standing in the temple where they should not be. We don't, we don't really have to have time to dive into that, but Jesus in all of this, Jesus is warning and saying these things will happen. During the time of tribulation, this, this man of lawlessness, believed to be the Antichrist, will go into the temple and set himself up to be God. Verses, am I wearing you guys out so far? Are you guys good? I'm just getting some blank stares. We're good, we're good. okay. Verses 19 through 23. 
Jesus lays out for them, and he really lays out for us, that there's going to be a great tribulation. As the end draws near, this this world will see destruction and tribulation like never before. The disciples saw some horrendous things in their days. Are you with me, church? Have you guys seen some horrendous things? Right? You've seen some bad deals? Right? The, The disciples saw those. History, we've seen disaster after disaster. We've seen those things. But Jesus says there will be a great tribulation. And in this great tribulation, Jesus describes it in verse 19. He says this, for those days, talking about a future event, will be a time of tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the creation, which God created until now and never will. So this, this tribulation is not a made-up event, right? It's going to happen before Christ returns. You look at verses 21 and 22. Man, we're going to see it again during this time. We're going to have more false prophets come up. Are you guys tracking with me so far? Okay. All right, so you're going to have more false teachers, more people claiming to be Jesus are going to come on to the scene to mislead people. And Jesus closes out in verse 23, which leads into where we are today. He says, but take heed. Behold, I have told you everything in advance. I'm going to talk a little bit about this time. When we talk about the great tribulation, uh, we believe the Bible teaches that there will be a seven-year period of great tribulation. They're, they're differing thoughts on eschatology, the, the thoughts of end times. Are you with me, church? Right, the, uh, What it's going to look like, where Christians will be at during this tribulation. Uh, a lot of godly people have a lot of different views on this. Um, a few of the views are uh, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. Our church holds to the position, and we teach, we hold to the position of pre-tribulation, that Christ will come and rapture his church prior to the tribulation. Are you with me? And that's not a hill. To, are you with me, church? That's not a hill to die on. There's a lot of godly people that, that have different thoughts on that. Some people believe that the Christians will suffer through half of the time period. They'll be here three and a half years, and then God will take them up. Others believe that Christians are going to go through all seven years of that. We just we hold to the perspective. We believe that the Bible teaches of a pre-tribulation that Christ will come and rapture. Uh, the believers at that point to take them home to be with the Lord before that seven-year great tribulation. I heard another person say, which is probably a pretty good perspective, um, that others hold to a pan-tribulation. What's a pan-tribulation? Everything's going to pan out in the end, right? Are you with me? I think that's okay, right? I mean, we can study it, we can look at it, and we can say, man, we just trust God that he knows what he's doing. Amen, church, right? I mean, his ways, his thoughts are above ours. But we do know this for sure. Jesus is coming. Amen? The end is coming, and Jesus is coming. And then this morning, we come to verse 24. You guys are like, oh wait, we haven't even started the sermon yet. That's just recap, right? We come to verse 24, as we just covered, Jesus is talking about the signs that are going to come up before the end of times. Are you with me, church, right? He's going he's gonna to do that. He's, he talks about the, the destruction of the temple and Jerusalem. He talks about the great tribulation. And then we'll see Jesus lay out more signs and things to look for when he comes to return. So you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 13, verse 24. Mark chapter 13, verse uh, 24, we're gonna, it's a longer passage, so we're just going to divide this up. Normally, we'll stand and read the entire passage, but would you guys stand and honor God as we read the words of Jesus this morning? Mark chapter 13, Jesus says this, but in those days, after that tribulation, talking about once the great tribulation happens, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers that are in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see, those that are alive at the time, that they will see the Son of Man, Jesus, coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send forth the angels and will gather together his elect believers, right, Christians, from the four winds, from the farthest east of the earth to the farthest east of, or the farthest end of heaven. Let's pray. God, we love you. 
we thank you for the word of God. Some, some passages are just challenging. Some of them are tough for us to understand. Some of them we just have to say, God, we know that you're in charge and, and you're, you're, in, you're in control of when you come back. So God, as we go through this this morning, help us walk out of here knowing that Jesus is coming. God, we pray, Lord, today, if there's someone here that says, you know what, I don't, I don't know much about Jesus, I don't know Jesus, I've rejected Jesus, we pray today would be a day that they would be saved, they'd give their life to Christ. God, for those that know Christ, that would say, yeah, I've given my life to you, Jesus. Help us walk out of here with a different perspective than when we walked in on where our eyes should be for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So if you guys, uh, if you missed this, as a, as a church, we're walking through Mark verse by verse, and where we are today is Mark chapter 13, uh, the second half of, of, our, of our chapter 13, which is focusing on the end times. The first thing for us to see and rejoice over as we come to this text, church, is this. Jesus will come again. Jesus will come again. On the back of your bulletins, you've got some places to to make some notes. Uh, But Jesus will come again. When we come to verse 24, Jesus had just told them about the great tribulation. And then he says, but in those days, after that tribulation... As we talked about before, we believe that those that knew Christ have already been taken up before the tribulation. They've already been caught up. They're, They're in heaven with Jesus but people will also come to know Jesus during that tribulation. It's important to remember here that Jesus is still replying to that question asked to him by his disciples. So we're going to take a step back so we get a really good perspective of what's happening here. Back in verse 4, the disciples are asking Jesus about the end times. They said, tell us, Jesus, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are going to happen and be fulfilled? Matthew writes it out this way in Matthew 23 or 24. Tell us, Jesus, when these things will happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. So that helps set up where we are today. I was telling Ben a couple weeks ago that I was going to try to preach all of 13 in one week. He laughed at me. And I, it's tough, man. It's a lot right there. So we're two different weeks. What the disciples are saying and, and asking Jesus is this. They're telling Jesus, Jesus, we believe that you're the Messiah. You're the promised one. You're the Christ. You're going to establish your kingdom, Jesus. We believe all of that. We worship you. But we want to know, when are you going to establish your kingdom? Right? When will judgment come? When will the establishment of your promised kingdom happen? So keep in mind this. They're assuming that Jesus was there, right? Because he's already there, that it's all going to happen real soon. And in God's timing, it is. Right? We'll talk about God's timing here a little bit. But that's when Jesus told them, these are things that have to happen first. He doesn't give them a time. But he does give them and us things to look for. What's going to happen before the end times? There are going to be wars and rumors of wars. We talked about this already, right? Are there wars and rumors of wars happening in church, right? Right? Is there religious deception? Is there false teachings out there? Is there false messiahs uh, popping up? uh, Natural disasters, human suffering, persecution of Christians? Those are all the signs that the end is near. And Jesus is telling them, before my reign, before I come to establish my kingdom, before the end of the age, this great tribulation is going to happen. And then verse 24, after the tribulation, at the end of the age, Jesus describes for them the cosmic signs that will occur. He says this, the sun will be darkened. Before Christ comes back, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Here's a side note here. It's amazing and it's good to know that Scripture supports Scripture. 
right, all through Scripture. It's, it's been prophesied years before Jesus says this. It was talked about afterwards. All Scripture supports Scripture. Revelation 6.12 describes this. It says, I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair so dark, and the whole moon became like blood. And then verse 25, and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers that are in the heavens will be shaken. So there's more references of that in scripture. Revelation says this, that stars, there's going to be stars falling from the skies in this last day. Revelation chapter 8 verse 16, or chapter 8 and chapter 16 also talks about that. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 13, we read about the coming judgment of the day of the Lord. It says this, therefore, I don't think this is up here, but therefore I will make the heaven tremble. And the earth will be shaken from its place at the fury of the Lord of hosts in the days of his burning anger. Jesus is saying this, church. In the end, there will be cosmic calamity. We can dissect this and and spend weeks and hours and all this stuff talking about this. But here's what he's saying. There's going to be cosmic calamity. All the forces that hold everything together in space. Who controls all that, church? God controls all that, right? And God controls all that. In the last days, he will allow it to become chaotic. He will show you that, that he's been in control of that the whole time. And those that, are, that, that look to the stars, there are people out there that look to the stars, right, and try to, try to figure out what their future is going to be. They look at the sun, the moon. Man, Jesus is going to show them, you've been looking at the wrong thing. It's not the universe is not your God. I'm your God. Amen? They're going to see those things fall. We do that. Anything we put in God's place, we see it fall, don't we, church? Man, but Jesus doesn't fall. And then that sets up for what's going to happen. So the, the cosmic calamity, verse 26, then they, who's they? Those that are alive at that point will see the Son of Man, Jesus, coming in clouds with great power and glory. Church, Jesus came as a real life baby, right? Humbly born and placed in a manger, surrounded by just Mary and, and Joseph and the animals. And then not long after, the shepherds came. And then people, church, he's a historic figure. Right? History proves he's real. And then he lives a life and he gathers a great following. History proves that. And then he dies on the cross. And then three days later, which we celebrate next week, he, he rises again, church. Right? And Jesus visibly ascended into heaven. And when he returns, church, he will return visibly for all to see. They will see, meaning all that are alive at that moment, all will see Jesus, will see Jesus, and he will come on the clouds. Psalm 104, it says that God uses the clouds as his chariots. Isaiah 19 gives a picture of the Lord riding on a cloud. Scripture describes God's presence in the Old Testament as a glory cloud. But here Jesus will return visibly and will be coming in the clouds for all to see. What a moment that will be, church, right? What a moment that will be. The all-powerful, all-loving, all-knowing King Jesus is coming again, church. Amen? Man, he's coming again. Verse 27. And then he, are we good? Are you guys good? I feel like I'm, everybody, okay. Are you guys just taking it all in? That's how I was studying this week, man. It was just like tough. Like, this is a lot, Jesus. What are you doing, man? But this is just good stuff. Verse 27, and then he will send forth the angels and will gather together his elect, just talking about believers in Christ, from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of heaven. This means Jesus is coming to gather his church. Right? They're going to be, some are going to be in heaven, right? Some are going to be that got saved during the tribulation. He's going to gather believers from everywhere and bring them into one place into the kingdom of God. There's something else we need to know about this, though. The angels are coming as gatherers, not just for the church, but for judgment as well. Those that rejected Christ. 
They gather those that are going to follow Christ and those that are saved during the, the tribulation, and they will gather those that have also rejected Christ for judgment. Let's just take a good, pic, a good look at this picture. The Revelations chapter 7, John gives us a great picture of what it will look like when all believers are gathered. This is what just drives me bonkers sometimes. Sometimes we gather as believers and we just like, we look like sour ducks or something, man. I just, is there such thing as a sour duck? I don't know, man. But you just, I mean, we just, what is going on, man? Like we serve King Jesus, amen, right? The one that came at, come on church, right? Let's get fired up, right? I'm coming here looking all sour and junk, right? And it says this, after these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation in all tribes and peoples and tongues. Church, racism has no place in the church of God. Are you with me, church, man? God, God loves everybody of every tribe and tongue. It doesn't matter, man. No soul, uh, culture superiority. Let's just throw that junk out of here, man. And they're standing. I just upset somebody. Somebody's crying outside. This is good, man. Everybody's gathered, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, before Jesus, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice, right, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Church, that's a picture of what it's going to be with all the believers that are gathered together before Christ. Church, Jesus will come again, and he's coming to gather his people. But we also know that time is coming near. To illustrate how near his coming is, Jesus uses a fig tree. A lot of times he uses a fig tree to refer to Israel. Here he's just referring to a fig tree. There was a lot of fig trees around here, okay? He says this, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know summer's near. Right? You just look at nature. You know summer's coming. Jesus is saying, when you see those leaves on the, those leaves on the fig tree, summer's coming up. For me, my illustration would be this. When you wake up sneezing and snotting and all sorts of a mess because of allergies, you know summer's near, right? That just, anybody else with me? Allergies are horrible, man. I am all over the place this morning. I am sorry for you guests, man. This is good. Man, but we just know that when we look at the leaves, they know that summer's near. And he says this, even so, you too, when you see these things happening, when you see all of this stuff leading up to the end times, the disasters, the calamity, recognize that he is near right at the door. Jesus is saying, when you see these things, the wars and the natural disasters, the human suffering, the persecution, the calamity, all that stuff that Jesus laid out, Jesus says that he's near, he's at the door. Jesus will come again and that time is near. That time is near. You might say, Pastor Jeff, people have been saying that for a long time. What makes you right that he's near now? Here's the reality. In comparison to eternity and God's timing, the length of our life on earth is very short. Even from whenever God spoke creation into, into reality, right? Even from that time compared to all creation and compared to all of God's timing, it's short. Second Peter says this, Second Peter 3, 8, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years. Well, that kind of throws our gauge off a little bit, doesn't it? And a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, church, as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you. I love this. Hear the heart of God here. Hear it. Hear it. He's patient towards you. Put your name there. Not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So to come to repentance means turn to Jesus. The end is near. The time when Christ comes to take his church is near. The second coming of Jesus is near. He says this in verse 30. Truly I say to you, 
this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. He's not talking about the disciples. We know that. They've already passed away, right? right? He's talking about the generation that is alive when all these signs at the end times, the cosmic calamity is happening, and those people will experience the second coming of Christ. He says in verse 31, think about this. Think about this. You're looking at the sun and the moon and the stars and those things that you know is constant and stable. They're falling. The world around them is collapsing. He says heaven and earth will pass away. Listen, but my words will not pass away. What we know today, what we live for today, the things that so many of us see and pursue and and we see them as constant and permanent, they will pass away. All of this around us will be destroyed. But we can rest in the fact, there's no reason to be scared, because we know who Jesus is. And we hear his words and we can hear that they will not pass away. Have you noticed many things that we call facts? Man, you look at them 10 years down the road, they're no longer facts. It depends on who's in office or what. Are you with me, church, right? Come on, man. But the, but the word of God is always true. No matter what age, no matter what culture, hear this out, no matter what is politically correct, are you with me, guys? No matter what the government is doing, no matter what the world around us is doing, Jesus is always constant. His words are always true. It's just a great reminder. We, we, we live in the here and now, right? We, we have all sorts of things going on around us, but we can trust in the word of God even when the stars fall. Even when the sun stops shining, even when all else fails, we can hold true and hold, we can trust in Jesus and what he says. Amen. That's a good word, right? His words will outlast anything and everything. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says this, the grass withers and the flower fades. Say that with me. But the word, let's try that, ready? Here we go, class, all right? But the word of our God stands forever. Anything, anybody had anything in their life that just collapsed around them that you thought was going to be forever? When our world around us seems to collapse, things that we thought were sturdy and constant, they collapse. We can trust in who God is and know his words are true. We can trust in them. And so even when we talk about end times, even when we talk about the tribulation and the cosmic collapse, right, we can stand firm and trust in Jesus. So when is this going to happen, Jesus? When, when, when is it so we, can be, so we can be ready? But of that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. There's a reason for that. It's not our job to focus on that. It's fun to think about when he might return. I like studying that. That's, that's fun. Eschatology is fun for me. Anybody else? Anybody? Yeah, a couple of us, right? But that's not the focus, right? But the day and the time should not be our focus. Us being prepared should be our focus. Jesus will come again, and we must be prepared. Now, I need you guys to all hear me on this one. That's in your notes. We must be prepared. I want to dive in deep on this. I remember when I was younger, during the summer, we'd be home, and my mom stayed at home, and so we would, we would be there, I know it's going to be hard to believe, but every now and then I'd get in trouble, you know, for doing something. Mainly it was Kim that would get in trouble. Uh, my mom would get on to me. Sometimes if I wasn't listening to her, help me out here, church, my mom would say, just wait until your dad gets home. Don't act like you never heard that, right? Just wait until your dad gets home. Well, unlike Christ's return, I knew when that was coming, Right? I knew about the time my dad would get home. I knew when he got off. I knew how he, I I just knew it. I remember hearing his loud diesel Dodge truck, man, coming from a mile away. Man, that thing sounded like a train, man. And I just knew that thing is coming over. It's going to run me over for judgment day, man. That's just what's going to happen. And so I I knew when that was going to happen. But people live that way when it comes to God. When it comes to God, they think, man, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. 
or I'll get right with God before I die, or before God Jesus returns, man, I'm going to live the way I want, but before I die, I'll turn to God. Church, we're not in charge of that day. We're not in control of that. We're not, we, we, we are responsible how we live and how we respond to Jesus. Here's the question for you. Every single person here, don't think about anybody but yourself. Are you prepared for that day? I've had many conversations with people that cannot answer that question. Where will you spend eternity? They can't answer. I don't know. I don't know. Guys, let me, let me, ladies, you can know for sure. You can know for sure. Don't listen to this junk out there that said, man, there's 15 million ways up to your spiritual higher to heaven. Man, that's just a bunch of junk. You can know today where you will spend eternity. Jesus says, I'm it. Why are you complicated? I'm it. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So we give him our life. We repent of our sins. We turn to Jesus as Lord of our lives, and we will be saved. The Bible tells us that. We can be prepared and we can know for sure. Jesus is saying, be prepared. Turn to Jesus because you don't know the time. It could be at 2 o'clock today or it could be 100 years from now, anywhere in between. Are you with me, church? Man, it's not our job to know the time. But know that he is coming and he is calling us to be prepared. Here's a question for everybody in here. Don't, 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 don't turn away. Do you know, are you prepared for eternity? We come to verse 33. Jesus lays out a warning concerning the end and his coming. Look at that with me. He says this. He says, take heed, mean watch. Watch, keep on the alert. Why? For you do not know when the appointed time will come. We may not know the moment he will return, but we do know what Christians should be doing until he returns. What should we be doing? We should watch and we should be alert. I changed when I knew my dad was coming home, right? I tried to butter up mom a little bit. Are you with me, church, right? I tried to earn favor. There's that old question, if Christ returned right now, would I want to be found doing what I'm doing? Jesus is saying, live in such a way that you are watching for him and be alert. He gives us an example in verse 34. He says, it's like a man away on a journey who, upon leaving his house and putting his slaves or servants in charge, assigning each one to his task. So here's the things you do while I'm gone. And then he commanded the doorkeeper to, to stay on the alert. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening, at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning. Just talking about time periods throughout the day. I know that when Jessica and I leave for a few days, we let our neighbors know. Anybody else do that? Hey, keep an eye out, right? No, I'm the only one. Okay, all right. Okay. Keep an eye out on our place, right? You see a party happening right now? I don't, I don't, I don't think this should be happening. I got a dog in there. He probably, probably shouldn't be throwing a party, right? Or maybe you have someone house sit, and you want them to keep things in order, right? Keep, to keep your house in order while you're gone, but also be prepared for when you're going to return, Right? And he says about these servants, he says, stay alert, live your life, but, at, but do it as you watch for the master to return home. Stay focused, because the master could come at any point. I'm sure some of you guys, maybe through a little party, not knowing your parents were coming home early from a vacation or something, you got busted. Are you with me? It's kind of the idea, be ready. Live in such a way that you would want the master to come home finding you live in a certain way. Verse 36 Jesus wraps up his teaching about the end days and his coming by saying, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep, 
What I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. Revelation chapter 16, we read this in verse 15. He says, look, I'm coming like a thief. Meaning he can come at the most unexpected time, maybe even the most inconvenient time. Blessed, you want to bless life? Blessed is the one who is alert and remains closed so that he may not go around naked and see and people see his shame. The reference here is really a couple. is compared to a soldier being unprepared. Are you with me? A soldier, the soldier needs to be prepared at all moments, not caught sleeping or unprepared. Or a person responsible for watching the house and caught off guard when the thief comes in. Are you with me, church? Man, just be prepared. Jesus is stressing the need for constant readiness. You want to be blessed by God? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Be ready for his return. It will change the way you live. It will change the way you live if your eyes are on him and ready for his return, if you are expecting and ready for his return. So he closes with that reminder. Don't lose sight of what is important. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Be alert. As we close out this chapter, next week's Easter, as we head into Easter, as we think about the future, as we think about eternity, I want us to close with these thoughts with questions to ask ourselves. God, am I, am I alert? Am I prepared? The first is this. Are you living with eternity in mind? Are you living with eternity in mind? I think too often we focus on the right here and right now. Church, let me tell you, it's important to be present. Right? It's important to be active and alive where you are in the here and now. But if that's all we live for, we lose sight of everything else. We lose sight of the future. We lose sight of eternity. Are you living with eternity in mind? Are you thinking about your eternity? Because here's the reality. One day, you won't have any more days here on this earth. But you will always have an eternity. Like we talked about before, we can live with that idea. I have time. Maybe when I get out of college and I've lived it up in the college. Maybe once I get married. Maybe once I hit 30. Are you with me, guys? Man, there's all sorts of reasons we put God off. Probably every single one of us has done it. We've put, we put God off. One of these days, I'll turn to Jesus. And we get focused on the pleasure of this world that often lead us down a dark path. If you're here today, Jesus calls us to turn from you being Lord of your life. Just take a look at how we've ran our life without Jesus. Amen, church? Right. Man, we're a mess. Stop that, Jesus says, right? Turn to Jesus as Lord. Turn to him for your salvation and, and forgiveness and for eternal life. Don't wait. Is Jesus calling you to follow him today? Don't leave here without thinking about your eternity. If you know Jesus, if you're here to say, man, I, I know the moment that I, I was saved. I, I can remember that. I give my, gave my life to Christ. I've got a relationship with Jesus. I know where I'm spending eternity. Here's a, here's a question for you. Are you living with your family's eternity in mind? Are you living with your neighbor's eternity in mind? Are you living with other people's eternity in mind? Or are you only focusing on yourself? That's a tough question I ask myself. Are you with me, guys? Right? If we live for just the here and now, we lose sight of our eternity and others' eternity. Hey, I'm good, God. I, I gave you my life. I'm good. I'm just going to chill out here for a little bit. Wait till you come back. People's eternity matter to God, and so they must matter to you and me. Bless you. We've been thinking and praying about who's your one. 
Who have you been praying for that doesn't know Jesus, that needs to hear the gospel, that if they died today, they would not be in heaven with Christ, but would spend eternity in a real place called hell? That's a question between you and God. Who has he placed on your heart? Have you been praying for them? Have you talked to them? Have you told them about Jesus? Have you invited them to church? As a church, part of our vision and mission statement is this. We exist, the first part is this, we exist to connect people to Jesus. As a church, as individuals, we must live with eternity in mind. We should ask God, God, give me the opportunity to to tell someone about you today. Give me the courage and the words to say. God, help this person see that they need you just like I needed you. Help them see that they're lost and destined for hell without you. Prepare their hearts, God, to receive the gospel. We don't save people. Jesus saves people. Are you with me, church, right? Does your life give evidence that you are living with your and others' eternity in mind? Some of these we'll roll through a little quicker. The second is this. Are you looking forward to his return? One of the things I think that we're missing in a lot of churches today, maybe maybe even here, man, we... Back 60s and 70s, I wasn't alive then, but man, there was a huge focus on Jesus coming back, wasn't there? And all these songs were written. Are you with me? One of my favorite songs, What a Day That Will Be When My Jesus I Shall See. Are you guys with me? Right? Man, I think we miss out on that. We get focused and it's good. Let's focus on our walk with Christ. We need to do that. A lot of great songs today, but I love those songs that just focus on the day that we are going to be with Jesus. Do you rejoice knowing that one day you will be in the presence of the one that died for you and saved you? Do you sing about it? Do we live in such a way that shows we're excited about our eternity in Jesus? Here's a question for you. Would others want what you are living for? Would others know that you are looking forward to that day? When we give our life to Jesus, Jesus tells us in the word of God that he is preparing a place for us. That's something. The God that created the universe. Preparing a place for you. If you know him as your savior. And John gives us a little bit of insight in Revelation. He said this, come. He closes out Revelation by saying, come Lord Jesus. Are you looking forward to his return? Are you looking forward to eternity with Christ? So are you living with eternity in mind? Are you looking forward to his return? And are you faithfully following Christ? Right? If he comes back, will he find you living faithful? Does my life give evidence that I belong to Jesus? It's not a legalism question. We can't earn salvation. Are you with me? Right? We can't earn... I've said that a lot today, haven't I? Are you with me? People are like, shut up, man. We can't earn God. We can't earn his grace. We can't... Shut up, Jamie. (laughs) He's just over there laughing at me, man. Oh, I repent. I shouldn't say shut up. I'm going to get in trouble for that. Sorry, Jen. I'm a mess, man. It's not a legal. You're tracking with me. It's not a legalism thing, God. We we can't. I, you guys ready to go? Amen. I'm gonna get in big trouble, man. My wife is gonna. She's in kids' life. She's gonna listen to the sermon and say, "We do not say that." I'm in trouble, man. Okay. All right. Let's get focused. I don't know who got us off track, but we we can't earn God, right? That's why Jesus came. There may be some in here that say, man, I hope in the end my good outweighs my bad. It doesn't work that way. 
right? It's not possible. We are saved only through the, by the grace of God through our faith in Jesus Christ. And out of that, he begins to change us on the inside. And then when he changes us, man, we start living for him. He lives through us. That's how we live faithfully. Are you in the word of God? Are you spending time with God? Are there areas in your life that you need to give to him? And then in connection with that, are you serving? Are you serving Christ, his church, and the community? Right? You aren't in the community you're in by accident. You're not, you aren't at Authentic Life today by accident. Some of you might think you are after today, right? But, I mean, you aren't here today by accident. Are you serving Christ? Are you serving the church he has you in? Are you serving the community around you? Are you letting his love and light shine through you? He's given you gifts and resources. Are you using those to serve others? And lastly is this. Are you trusting Christ? As the world around us changes, as the things that are constant become unconstant and unstable, we can know that Jesus and his words are forever and true. Church, we can, let's just walk out here with this today. We can trust Christ. We might not understand it. We might struggle with, are you with me guys? Man, we might, we might struggle with all that, but we can trust him. And by the way, if we had a God that we could fully understand, he would not be God. Man, we try to wrap our brains around things. Man, we would not be God. We can trust him with our today. We can trust him with our tomorrow. We can trust him with our eternity. We can stand firm because we know he is in control. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Right? We can trust him in every area. We can trust him in our marriage. We can trust him with our relationships. We can trust him with our homes, with our jobs, with our future. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, this, isn't, this passage that Jesus is talking about, these words of Jesus, it's not a scare tactic, it's reality. The end is near. Jesus is coming. In who or what are you trusting for your eternity? You can place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today as Lord and Savior and know where you will spend eternity and just watch how he changes you. As you leave here today, or you can leave here today knowing for sure who you are and where you're going, will you trust in Jesus? The one that gave up everything to come because God so loved you. Will you trust in him for your salvation today. I don't think Jesus can get any more clear here. The end is coming. Eternity is a reality. Where will you spend eternity? We, do, we try to understand things. We try to wrap our minds around it. Man, just throw that, just throw that stuff aside. Say, Jesus, I don't, I don't have to understand it all, but I trust you. <laughs> you ever looked in the mirror like, and looked at your heart? And you just thought, man, how could you love this? But he doesn't just love you, he so loves you. Are you with me, guys? He so loves you. He gave up everything for you. He came from heaven and he came down to our world. What a mess. And he hung and died on the cross. Your death, my death, my punishment. And he conquered that, man. He kicked Satan's butt and he conquered death. Are you with me, church, man? He, He rose again and he's coming for us again. Will you be found in him or will you be found in the world? Where are you spending eternity? Today the day you give your life to Christ and say, I don't have to have all the answers, but I'm going to put my faith and trust in you because you know. Just ponder that for a little bit. Ask God to just 
make that clear to you. We're focusing a lot on, as we wrap up, we're focusing a lot on who's your one. What I want us to do as a church, church, I just want us to pray. I want us to, I just want to gather, I just maybe sit where you are and all that other stuff. Just pray for the person that, that somebody in your life that doesn't know Jesus. Because Jesus died for them too. We come out, we check our mail, and we say hi to our neighbors, and we go right back inside. We have no clue whether they're going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven or if they're going to spend eternity in hell. All right, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? We do that. Man, I was at Target this last week and, and uh, buying some gifts for the Easter egg hunt. And this lady was helping me and just got to talk to her about Jesus. Praise God, she knew Jesus. And she just, just telling me, man, just, just pray for me. I lost my husband. I found out she also lost her son. She's going to face Easter this year for the first time without those two in her life. Got a two-year-old and 11-year-old. God wants us to have those conversations with people. Does your wife, does your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, does your kid, do they know Jesus? So what I want us to do is whoever God has placed on your heart, maybe you haven't been a part of the who's your one yet and you, and you, you know, haven't, haven't really written a name down inside your bulletin. You've got a little thing in there. It looks like a Polaroid. Write somebody's name down. Church, I just want us to gather and just, just in the quietness. Pray with your spouse. Pray with whoever's around you. Pray silently. Let's just spend time praying, and then I'll close this. And I want to say this. As you guys start praying, if you're here today and you said, I don't know Jesus. I don't know what I'm waiting on. I'm trying to figure things out, but I can trust in Jesus for my salvation. I want to do that today. Man, come up and who cares what anybody else thinks? Your eternity matters to Jesus Christ. He gave up everything for you. So if you don't know Jesus today, let's come forward and let's give our life to Christ. Are you with me? So church, bow your heads, close your eyes, have that time with God, pray with your spouse, pray with the person next to you, and just pray that that God, give me an opportunity to share the gospel with this person this week. God, prepare their heart for that. God, help me invite them to church so they can hear the gospel at church next week. Take your time and do that real quick.